Amen. What a great reminder from our praise team. Our God is sovereign. He is good. He is glorious. And if those things are true, church, he's worthy of our worship today. Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your copy of God's word to Deuteronomy chapter four. And as as Gas Goggin just prayed a moment ago, we are thankful for our pastor for his recovery and look forward, Lord willing, for him being back with us next Sunday and opening God's word for us. And so that'll be, that'll be great, something to look forward to. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter four, we're gonna be in verses nine and 10 this morning. Thinking about what it means to tend souls. What does it look like to care for souls, um, and, and not just our own, but for those next generations as well. So we'll read this text in just a few moments, but if, if you've ever flown in an airplane, you surely know the pre-takeoff drill. There's a certain procedure that they, they always go through, right? Um, it, it usually starts with, you need to take a seat buckle that seat belt, turn off all of those electronic devices, and then listen to the safety instructions. And you know that takes a little while. In the middle of those instructions, the flight attendant usually says something to the effect of, in the event of decompression, that's a fancy way to say things aren't and uh, we're losing oxygen pressure in the cabin. But anyway, in the event of decompression, an oxygen mask will automatically appear in front of you. And then they tell you, of course, how to use that oxygen mask. And that's really good because I would want to know how to use that oxygen mask. But just before leaving that safety topic, the flight attendant will say, and if you're traveling with a child, secure your mask first and then help the other person. You've heard that before, haven't you? You're familiar with those instructions, but do you ever wonder why they say that? I mean, I've sat there before and I've wondered, do you think I'm dumb? Do you think I don't know how to do this? But think about it. In a chaotic moment like decompression, you could easily forget what you're supposed to be doing, right? You could get caught up in the, in the emotions, you could get caught up in the chaos of the moment and forget all of those important instructions. I mean, it could be that you would forget your own mask as you're frantically trying to help that little one maybe seated next to you. I mean, that's, that's not hard to imagine a scenario like that. I mean, even in other areas of life, parents often forget to care for themselves as they focus their lives in attempting to help their children. But unfortunately, we could also see the other side of that as well. It could be just the opposite. We might forget the child's mask because we're so focused on ourselves. And of course, we know that kids are physically and emotionally neglected all the time in the world around us. So maybe neither one of those scenarios are so far-fetched after all. Well, back in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, God, in his all-knowing sovereignty, he foresees a scenario where people's lives could get so busy, so chaotic, so idolatrous, or maybe even entertained to death, that they might forget what they're supposed to be doing spiritually. Believe it or not, that could happen. 
There might be a scenario God sees where we would or his people would let spiritual formation personally in our own lives and in the lives of successive generations become merely an afterthought or perhaps no thought at all. And of course, if you know your Bible history, you know that's exactly what happened to the people of Israel. The older generations, they neglected their own soul care and not much of a surprise, their children followed in their footsteps. They began to follow the ways of their fathers, the ways of their parents. But friends, let's be clear this morning, it wasn't because God didn't warn them. It wasn't because he didn't tell them this is a very real possibility. This is something that you must watch out for. Now, he warned them. God's servant, Moses, he gave a strong warning to the people in the midst of one of his messages to them just before his death in in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And I want to go ahead and read that for us this morning. So would you go ahead and stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Deuteronomy chapter four, beginning in verse nine, the word says this, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. Amen. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, our desire this morning is to draw near to you in worship. Would you help us to be in a spirit of worship as we hear from your word this morning? And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would help instill these truths into our hearts that we might become more faithful followers of Jesus. Of course, it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Well, here in Deuteronomy, we have a a series of sermons, if you will, speeches, messages from, uh, from Moses, the servant of God. And this comes here in Deuteronomy 4 after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness due to their own sin, due to their own rebellion. But after 40 years of wandering, we've come to this moment just before the death of Moses and just before Israel is finally ready to cross over the Jordan into the promised land in Canaan. Now, here in Deuteronomy 4, Israel has a reminder And the reminder is to remember all that God has done for them before they go into the promised land. Remember how faithful he's been. Remember all of the glorious and good things he has done. Keep these in your mind. Remember them as you go into this land. Because again, things are about to happen that could cause you to forget, cause you to not remember the glorious things the Lord has done. There's a reminder here that in the midst of all that they're about to encounter, that they need to walk in faithfulness. Well, how will they do this? How will they remain faithful? How will they pass on that faithfulness? Well, I've broken it down into two ways 
here in the text that I think will speak to us as well. These truths will be so important for us, even as they were for Israel. Uh, Number one, tend to your own soul. Tend to your own soul. Church, this has to be step one, doesn't it? For whatever else we might do as families, whatever else we might do in the church, this has to be step one. Because you can't disciple others if you neglect yourself, if you neglect your own soul care. Now, that's not always easy, is it? You may be familiar with the name of Susanna Wesley. She was the the mother of John and Charles Wesley, whom you may know even more than Susanna. But uh, she didn't live an easy life. It was actually what we might call a very difficult life. She had financial struggles. There were moments throughout her life where she had marital struggles as well. And actually her husband had left the family for a year after a disagreement. I mean, there were, there were hard times in this family. But early on, Susanna Wesley made a commitment to care for her own soul. She made a commitment to her devotional life. Now, with 10 children, you might imagine she struggled to find private time, that personal time to be alone with the Lord. We struggled with four children. I can't imagine what 10 children would be like. But she finally came to, to this understanding of what she needed to do. She told her children, when you, when you see me with my apron pulled over my head, that means mom is in prayer before the Lord and she is not to be bothered. You might try that. I don't know. That could work, right? She knew that be effective in parenting 10 children and discipling 10 children and let's be real honest often by herself unfortunately she knew she was going to have to tend to her own soul first now I would imagine that for most of us our lives probably weren't as challenging as uh, as Susanna Wesley for most of us that's probably true but we're still going to need to be just as committed to tending our souls And so in verse nine, Moses warns, keep your soul diligently. That's the the first way we're gonna tend to our soul. Keep your soul diligently. Now it's so interesting how Moses says this. He says faithfulness to God isn't just a matter of external obedience. Do the right things for people to see, for your kids to see. No, it's not just external obedience. It's not just keeping a list of rules like the Ten Commandments. He's gonna repeat those in, in the next chapter here in Deuteronomy. No, 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 it's, it's not about that. He says, if we're gonna walk in righteousness before God, it's gonna start with diligently watching over the depths of our own soul. It's gonna look like caring for ourselves at the core of who we are, at the core of our being. We'll need to take extreme care to do this. And so what this looks like, at least, at the very least, it means we must feed our soul the daily nourishment it needs. Now, we know we have to, we have to tend to our physical bodies, don't we? We have to care for them. We have to feed it regularly. We have to exercise it. We have to go to certain measures to keep ourselves free from sickness. But we also have to tend to the needs of our spiritual selves, We have to tend to the needs of our soul. Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew 16, 26, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? He has everything else in this world, but forfeits his soul. 
Our life doesn't amount to much if we forget our souls, if we forget to feed ourselves daily with the nourishment from God's word that will sustain us throughout the day. We need to exercise our soul. What does that look like? It means putting faith into practice. It's, it's, more, it's more than just, just intellectually knowing what you believe, but it's putting it into practice in the day in and day out of saying, what I believe has to make sense in what I do. And it has to impact how I live my life. It also, tending, for, tending our soul, it looks like keeping yourself far from the temptations of sin in order to stave off soul sickness, which is so rampant all around us. Friends, our natural tendency is to drift spiritually. And so to keep our soul diligently, we'll need to pay close attention to our spiritual development, to our spiritual growth. So Moses says, keep your soul diligently. And he gives a a kind of a second way. Maybe it kind of goes along with this. Another way to tend your soul is to remember the Lord's work in your life. Remember the Lord's work in your life. Verse nine says, keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. Now here's the problem. No one has ever seen God. Israel had never seen God. He's not like the idols of the other nations around them, which was why it was so tempting for them to go and worship those idols. They could see them. They could feel them. They could feel like they were physically in their presence. It's always tempting, friends, to chase after things that we can touch and feel in life. That will always be tempting to us. But now Israel has never seen God, but make no mistake, they've seen his work. They've seen the hand of the Lord. They've seen the power and majesty of, and glory of the Lord on display. They've seen this time and time again. Now, in our context, we're 40 years out from one of the most magnificent and powerful events in Israel's history, the Exodus, right? And this is what Moses has in mind here, what God has in mind as he's speaking to the people. They needed to remember the power of God on display in the plagues that he, that he put on the people of Egypt, They needed to remember his his grace in their deliverance. Were they better than everybody else? No, but his grace was upon them and he delivered Israel. They needed to remember his provision for 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness where water wasn't plentiful, at least good water, and food was not plentiful and yet he provided time and time again. Friends, you all have examples in your own lives, ways that God has been faithful to you, ways that God has answered prayers, ways that he has done done more magnificently and more graciously and acted more mercifully in our lives than we could have ever even asked or imagined. If you think about it, examples in your life, other ways that he has guided you and acted on your behalf, friends, remember those times. Remember those Keep them at the forefront of your mind because guaranteed there are gonna come those moments where it will feel like, it won't be true, but it will feel like the Lord is far from you. And maybe that he's not as active and not as gracious and not as merciful. Remember the truth. Remember the works of the Lord. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul here is, is challenging his protege, Timothy, to generational discipleship. The things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to train others also. He says, look, this generational discipleship is important. And one of the motivations that he gives for that is remembering. 2 Timothy 2, verse 8, he says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Above everything else, friends, above all of the things that you will remember about the Lord, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember the cross. Remember his glorious resurrection and all that that accomplished for us. All of the righteousness that was given to us through faith and repentance in him. And this will be incredible motivation to draw near to the Lord and to teach others his ways also. So keep your soul diligently. Remember the Lord's work in your life. And thirdly, persevere in faithfulness. Persevere in faithfulness. Worship and and care of our own souls, they're not just about looking backward at, at the past of God's goodness and, and living there in the past. That's, that's not what this is about. There, there in verse nine, here in Deuteronomy chapter four, we're told that God doesn't want his grace and goodness to depart from your heart all the days of your life. In other words, that goodness wasn't just for 40 years ago or for last week. And God's faithfulness and goodness isn't just for today. He wants us to remember these things and look back and reflect on them as they propel us in the days ahead in faithfulness toward him. In other words, God desires our obedience and faithfulness to persevere into the future. Now, in in the New Testament, the, the author of the book of Hebrews, he says something quite similar to what Moses says in verse nine. In Hebrews 12, verses one and two, he says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. In other words, care for your soul, watch over yourself. And then he says, let us run with endurance, persevere, the race that is set before us. How do we do this? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Remembering Jesus remembering what he has done and accomplished in our life. I thought it was so good this morning, Zach, in the college class, he was talking about the importance of of baptism being that that thing that we can look back to and remember the goodness and faithfulness of the Lord and how he often does that in his own life. That's exactly what scripture tells us to do. Remember, remember Jesus, look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Look to Jesus, remember all that he's done and that will motivate us to persevere in tending to our own souls. But church, that's only half the message. That's only half the battle. That's only putting your own oxygen mask on first. But that's not where, the, that's not where those flight instructions uh, end and that's not where biblical instruction ends next we must tend to the souls of the next generation. Tend to your own soul first, but then we must tend to the souls of the next generation. I, I, I'm a little bit 
have a little bit of fear saying this considering uh, where we live and people's affinity for the Dallas Cowboys, but I was born in inner city Philadelphia. I know, right? I'm sorry. That was my fear. I'm sorry. You will think less of me now, but that's where my family was from, okay? That's just, that's, that's my heritage. That's where my family has lived for generations. And growing up, when my family would get together, it was, it was usually loud. And in the midst of that, the conversation always turned to stories of the past, stories of, of Philadelphia and, and what it was like. I, I, would, I would hear stories about relatives that I never knew, some that I was probably ashamed to know, to be real honest. Um, I heard stories from before I was born or, or maybe was too young to remember. They were the good stories, they were the bad stories, and they were the ugly stories as well. And there were plenty of those, trust me. There's a reason my family moved away from Philadelphia. But that was just natural, right? That's what we did. Passing on the stories that made our family who they are, that's what families do. And I bet your family probably has done something similar to that. Well, church, in a similar way, God wants future generations to never forget his goodness, never forget his great works. So in verse nine, Moses says, it's important to remember the things you've seen from the Lord and make them known to your children. And by the way, and to your children's children. You don't get to retire from this one, folks. You don't get a pass based on age. No, it's make them known to your children, make them known to your children's children. So what are we to do to tend the souls of the next generation? Well, first, teach children to hear God's words. Teach children to hear God's words. In verse 10, Moses says, my summary here, my summation. Do you remember uh, when we were back at Sinai, when, you know, the place where God gave the 10 commandments, that may be Horeb in your Bible, Sinai, Horeb, same place. Do, do you remember when we were back at Sinai and we gathered to hear the words of the Lord? He says, keep doing that. Keep gathering together to hear the words of the Lord. Keep doing that. Keep gathering. Keep telling the children of the Lord's faithfulness. Church, the, the word for us, the challenge for us is keep bringing kids to church. Keep bringing them to their Bible fellowship groups. Keep encouraging them so that they can hear God's word. Keep having family worship in your home. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers and sisters in the church family, whoever you are, whoever, whoever that is this morning, let's keep telling the children of Trinity Baptist Church the old, old hymn of Jesus and his love. We've got to keep telling the story. Our children are bombarded with the words of the world on a daily basis. There's no shortage of that. And if we don't combat it with the words of the Lord, let's not be surprised, let's not be shocked when the words of the world went out. Several years ago in a, a podcast interview, theologian, one of my favorites, D.A. Carson, made a, a helpful observation regarding his, his classroom teaching. And I think it applies to the family as well. It applies to family worship and discipleship. He said, what they learn is what I'm excited about. 
the kinds of things I emphasize again and again. And he says, and that had better be the gospel. That had better be the gospel. He said, make sure in your own practice and excitement that what you talk about, think about, exude confidence over and what you are enthusiastic about is Jesus. Whatever else you do, whatever else you teach your children, whatever else we we teach them and model for them in the church, above all else, let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. Let's be a church and let's be families that teach children to hear God's word. Don't just assume it will happen. Let's teach them to do it. Well, not only do we want to teach them to hear God's word, but secondly, teach children to fear the Lord. Teach them to fear the Lord. Look back at verse 10 in the text, about halfway through verse 10. Moses is reminding them of their time back at Sinai, and he says, it's where the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. One of the reasons that that we and our children need to hear God's words is because we need to learn to fear the Lord. We need to learn. It doesn't happen by accident. We need to learn to fear the Lord. Now, for the Christian, when we talk about fearing the Lord, we're not talking about fear of judgment or hell. No, that, that's gone now. For the Christian, we mean learning to revere and honor God. We mean learning to live in awe of who he is and living for his glory. That's what we mean by revere the Lord. Jesus has already received our judgment. He's already removed that fear. Now we live in reverent awe of who he is. A proper fear of the Lord, it surrenders to Christ in repentance and faith, and it strives to glorify him each and every moment of our days. So teach children to fear the Lord. Teach them to follow Christ like this. And then finally, teach children to pass on their faith. Remember, it's, it's generational discipleship. Teach them to pass on their faith. Again, the end of verse nine, Deuteronomy four, make them, meaning the ways of the Lord, make them known to your children and to your children's children. In other words, what scripture is saying to us is leave a legacy in your family of faithfully passing down the faith. Leave a legacy in your family. You may leave other things in your family, but leave a legacy of glorifying Jesus and making him known to the next generation. Focus on the family. You're familiar with them out of Colorado Springs. They wrote an article last year that was discussing some, uh, some research results that were, uh, that were written in a 2021 book called Handing Down the Faith. And in, uh, in that book, there was a, a place where the authors wrote this. I thought it was helpful. It said, some readers might be surprised to know that the single most powerful causal influence of the religious lives of American teenagers and young adults in the religious li- excuse me, is the religious lives of their parents, right? 
I'll say that again. The single most powerful influence on the religious lives of American teenagers and young adults is the religious lives of their parents. And he goes on to say, it's not their peers. It's not the media. It's not their youth group leaders or clergy. It's not their religious school teachers. Now, I hope that doesn't surprise us. As parents, we talked about that, that stewardship earlier. We, we have a stewardship as parents to raise our children to know and love the Lord and to put the things of the Lord before them. As a church, we have a stewardship. May, and I don't just mean to the youngest of the young in our church, but to all successive generations to put the things of the Lord before them. Our children, in other words, they hear us, whether it's in the church or outside the church, in the home, outside the home, they hear us and they watch us and they learn from us for better or for worse. They learn from us. The question is, when they hear us and when they watch us, are they learning to know Jesus and love Jesus more or are they learning something else? Are they learning to know Jesus and love Jesus more? And that is my prayer for us today. You know, on a, on a day like today where, where parents and, and families dedicate themselves to raise their children to, to know and love Jesus, I, I, I think that the timeless words here of Deuteronomy 4 are a good reminder to us. Discipleship of children in the home and in the church only happens when personal discipleship is a first priority in our lives. We will crash, we will burn when we don't make our own personal discipleship primary so that we can then pour out into the lives of our children. The challenge today, it isn't merely about having better families so we can look better out in society. It's not about having a better church, although those things do come with, with good discipleship. Friends, what we're talking about this morning is first and foremost about the glory of God. Is he worthy? Is he glorious enough and is he majestic enough that we would take the time, make the effort clear away our schedules to make sure we're pouring the things of God, the ways of God and the glory of God into that next generation. For some, that's gonna mean making hard decisions, giving up entertainment, giving up the good for what's best. We'll have to make sacrifices. It's gonna look like tending to your own soul and making God that one great pursuit of your life. And then tending to the souls of the next generation by modeling worship. When church isn't important to you, it becomes irrelevant to the next generation. Modeling worship, modeling obedience, faithful obedience to the Lord, and then teaching God's word in a way that gives him glory. That's my challenge for our Christian families here today. But it might also be this morning that there's someone here who has, has never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And you don't know what it looks like to, to have the spirit of God dwelling in you and, and guiding you and helping you to care for your soul and to help you live your life for the glory of God. May this be the day that you turn away from sin, turn away from self, and let Jesus have his rightful place as Lord and Savior in your life. Maybe some need to tend to their own soul this morning by surrendering their life to Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. It's not a complicated process, but it is hard to step off the throne of your own heart and let Jesus take his place. We're gonna sing a, a hymn of response here in just a moment and, and uh, we're just gonna respond to the Lord however, however we need to. Maybe some need to make a, a decision of, of sacrifice to say, yes, I am gonna, I'm gonna tend to my own soul and I'm gonna invest more, maybe in my own children, grandchildren, but I'm gonna invest more in the younger generations of this church. I pray that that's the case. For others, I'm gonna be standing here at the front and I would encourage you, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never repented of sin, turned away from sin and trusted Jesus alone, would you come and just let us share with you how you can have a relationship with Jesus? Let's pray together. <clears throat> Our good and gracious Father, we're so thankful that you are mindful of us. You could have just left us to our own ways you could have left us to our own wisdom on how to raise a family, on how to live in faithfulness, in obedience to you. But you didn't leave us to ourselves. You gave us your word. And God, I pray that your word would be powerful and that it would penetrate our hearts, penetrate these families, penetrate this church so that above all, we stand on the truth of your word. And what your word says, Christ has done for us. Father, we commit this time of response to you. We pray that through your spirit, you'd have your way in our hearts and help us to respond as you're leading. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand as we sing?